0: Drawing room over here. You made it. Oh, come on through. Do you fancy drink? What's your tipple? Welcome to The Drawing Room, a space for intimate and surprising conversations. I'm Andy Park. He's been a dancer, a writer, a performer. Uh, He's created everything from intimate theatre to the opening ceremonies for major sporting events. He's been an artistic director and the founding creative director of the Yuramboy Festival. Now, Jacob Bohem is the inaugural director of First Nations programming at Carriage Works in Sydney. And he's my guest in The Drawing Room. Welcome to you, Jacob. Come on in. Take a seat.
1: Hi, Andy. Thank you for having me.
0: Twenty twenty two is a significant moment in time. Really, fiftieth anniversary of uh, the National Black Theatre, uh, the anniversary of the establishment of the Aboriginal Tent Embassy. We've got a, a major referendum on on the way, uh, on on the mm-hmm. voice to to Parliament. How does that history shape what you're looking at doing at Carriage Works?
1: Yeah, well, I couldn't really think of um, doing anything but acknowledging and referencing that history especially coming into a position like this um an executive leadership role an indigenous executive leadership role at carriage works which is situated pretty much in the black capital of australia where the national black theater and and the temper tent embassy black power movement was born so i couldn't think of anything but acknowledging that as kind of like my debut program i suppose um to acknowledge the the lineage and the history that has come before me. I don't just step into something in this new role and, you know, all of a sudden, ta da, things change. It's actually there's there's a lineage I belong to. So, it's kind of my duty, I suppose, our responsibility to acknowledge that um, lineage. And so that's how we've created um, a program, party, protest. Remember, which is which acknowledges that lineage and that history. Uh,
0: How has the place of First Nations art changed even during your own lifetime?
1: Oh, wow. Um, Look, in a lot of ways – we have come so far. I mean, there are so many different um, roles within institutions. I mean, you see things from uh, a director or a head of First Nations to First Nations producers, creative producers that are not an uncommon uh, member of a team. in some instances that you know there are some organizations that are still finding their way with that. But the range of stories that are being told and in the form, that they are being told in. I mean, you yourself would know, you know, you can go to contemporary dance theatre work and see Amrita Happy or Joel Bray or Vicky Van Hoot, um, as well as Bangara. You can go and see your Theatre Company or Yuri Yarkin, as well as independent um, artists who are working now with main stage companies, you know, like um, Nathan Maynard or Nakia Lewis. You know, there's such... Uh, a range of, of diverse work that's on offer um, you know this was the stuff that I dreamt of when I was a nasda baby back in the 90s when I first started to train as a dancer
0: um, I want to ask you about that because obviously mm. when you were growing up there wasn't really a chance or even a desire to embrace your Aboriginal heritage as I understand it what does it mean to you to be able to embrace that now and create a space for others to do the same thing
1: Oh, uh, I wouldn't say that. I mean, um, I was I always grew up in a family where our Aboriginality was acknowledged and we were encouraged to, even though I'm fair skinned, I was always brought up to acknowledge that uh, I'm Narunga and Ghana. It's the rest of the the country that has had its problems with that. Creating the space for others, I suppose for myself, um, I acknowledge being a fair skinned black fella that you know, I know what privileges come with this colour of skin. Uh, my experience of growing up in Australia is very different to my brother and my sister who have darker skin to me and who to my father who is a brown-skinned man, my grandmother who was a black woman. So I understand the privilege that comes with the colour of my skin. So it, it's kind of like my responsibility, I see anyway, as I get let in the door a lot easier. You know, I'm an undercover brother, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I get let in the door a lot easier than some of my family. So once I'm in the door, it's my responsibility to keep the door open. I had a, I have a, um a mentor of mine, Hilary Carty, over in the UK, wonderful black woman who's been working um, in the arts sector over there for many, many decades. Um, and I remember being at a party that she was throwing and there was a younger... Black woman, um, uh, different generation to Hillary, and she was talking about, you know, in in England, according to this younger woman, she was like, every five years it feels like there's there's a window of opportunity for BAME artists, you know, so over in the UK it's Black, Asian, Minority Ethnic BAME artists. Every five years it feels like there's a window of opportunity, and Hillary, without skipping a beat lunged at Diane over the table and just went and when that window opens you pull yourself through with one hand and you reach behind you and you drag as many people through the window before it shuts and I feel like that's what my role I suppose has been for many years.
0: Who do you see as the kind of key audience for your work? Is it important to cater to the colonial gaze, or, or do you want to create first and foremost for First Nations people and then invite the rest of us to join you there?
1: Oh, look, I think it's both. I think there's room for both. There are um, certain approaches that need to be made for both audiences, right? So when I, do you know what I do when I create work? Most of the time, I have my, I know this sounds weird, but I have my brother in my head. Um, (laughs) And when I go to create work, really, if my brother in the back of my head is going, what's that shit? Then I kind of know (laughs) that I need to. Keeps you grounded, (laughs) doesn't it? Well, this is what siblings are
0: for really, isn't it?
1: Yes. Um, But I think, I actually think the appetite in our community, I mean, as much as we've got, as much as, there is a lot of work to do with us with ourselves as as a as a as a big community to face you know real issues of unconscious bias of systemic racism. there are real issues that we do need to face. I also think there is a is a huge appetite um, for Australians who want to understand more First nations knowledges, philosophies, cultural um and artistic uh, expression and behaviour. I actually really do think that that's, you know, that's that's something that's grown over the last decade or so.
0: Would you agree? uh, The the curiosity in the mainstream Australian public has never been this high uh, in terms of Indigenous culture and heritage and language. Yeah, I mean, what does it mean to have Indigenous perspectives embedded into the heart of programming? Would you, uh, I don't know, like to see a change under your tenure at Carriageworks but also in the broader Australian theatre scene?
1: Oh, God, yeah. I think it, it actually means, oh, I probably too, uh, haven't got enough time to go into the whole thing, but I think if you bring First Nations philosophies um, uh, and knowledges into these institutions, I think, number one, what you need to look at is the systems that have been set up, particularly economic and power systems that are set up. They create hierarchies. They, they create um, burdens of, of of power and deceit and all kind. You of, well, you know. You know. Um, but there's also the stuff about relationships and exchange. Um, and it's more, more so about relationship. It's more about our relationship to our natural environment. If we were to bring First Nations knowledges into our operations, there would be much more talk, I think, around climate crisis and what our responsibility is in that and how we as arts institutions or not even outside of the arts, you know, any kind of business, what our role is in changing the way we do business, um, the way we relate to each other.
0: Uh, I think how, there's a on other- that, though, I'm always curious to ask someone such as yourself, uh, yeah. how how do we avoid the tokenism that sometimes comes from corporate Australia, sometimes comes from artistic endeavour too, where yeah. it, it it's not meaningful, it's symbolic, but not in the right way, if you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, but this is where it kind of goes. this is where the 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 issues of systemic racism, unconscious bias, they're the things that consistently come up time and time again when you're working in these kind of institutions because it is a certain cultural paradigm and an economic system that you are uh, opted in to work within, right? And it's not the systems that have been on this country, systems of trade, of relationship, of kinship, of caring for country that have existed on this country for 60, 80 years. 100 120,000 years right and when people like myself come into institutions and we go okay you say you want it this is how it works basically what happens is you know people like me come in and go and and shake the world up now that is going to create some reaction Nobody likes their world being shaken up. Nobody likes having their world turned upside down. But in fact, if we actually do want to start making some change, especially if we want to make a future for all of our kids, we don't want the world to implode either through nuclear war, um trade war, or um, climate meltdown, there are some real things that we're going to have to face in terms of behavioral changes. You know,
0: yeah, because yeah, I just sometimes get the feeling and talking with Aboriginal Australians that talk about this approach amongst some institutions where yeah. it's almost like a bought or borrowed credibility, cultural and social credibility. And I just wonder when you're having those initial conversations with some of these institutions, whether you can sniff that out.
1: Oh, of course you can. Um, beware of the marketing team. No, sorry. Yeah. Um- <laughs> that we can agree on. Yes. Um, no, that's a terrible thing to say. But which is why we've kind of started really local and uh, community level. So, here, the, one of the first things that we did when I got here is that we replaced all the foliage around the building. Yeah, this is this we, garden
0: that you're doing at Carriage Works. It's a marvelous yeah. space, isn't it? And I, was, I wanted to ask you about that garden and, and its meaning for you.
1: Okay, so there's a couple of meanings. Number one, um, it's about bringing those plants back home. So all the all the plants that you find, we worked with Open Life Studios and In Imbu- Blue Studios, two um, new Indigenous landscape design companies, to come in, work with the Wayanga, work with us as a team at Carriage Works, work with Wayanga Aboriginal Elder Services and the Redfern Jardins College. And so the elders and the kids with us, we planted all those. Um, Native plants that would have been here in abundance 230 years ago back around Carriage Works. So, those kids and those elders now meet every month and they do art and craft and cultural activity around that. But what it does more so is that we are now watching a garden um, of uh, Indigenous plant life that is local to this area. And what we're doing is looking at that plant life to help us make decisions and guide programming um, which will then start bleeding into operations so what we're doing is starting to turn our attention to the natural world around us because in that garden it's not just pretty flowers it's actual when those flowers bloom there are certain things that happen in the other animal world in the animal world you know there'll be a flower that blooms that tells us to stop eating meat because the kangaroos need to mate you know so it's bringing all of that traditional knowledge back which also affects some of our behavior so for you know two months of the year we're going to have to adopt um a vegetarian diet you know it's just things like that that we're bringing in slowly and surely so that we can start bringing these old practices that heal country that speak directly to country because when we're not, when that flower's out and we're not eating meat, there is also a star system in the sky that is telling us that we need to travel to a certain place for ceremony and there are things that need to be talked about. There are trade that needs to go on. There is country that needs to be taken care of. So it's bringing all of that into the minds of everyone here as, we, as um, a framework in how we can reshape the business model. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely, and a holistic sort of approach. On ABCRN, I'm Andy Park. Jacob Bohem is my guest here in the drawing room. I read that a rule that you learnt from elders is that if you don't have your story, you don't have your dance. So what is the story that carries you forward then?
1: Oh, God, what's the story that carries me forward? Um, I suppose ever since I was a 14-year-old, I've, you know, I was just talking about this earlier today. Sally Morgan's My Place has been, had a huge impact on me as a 14-year-old boy. That story was, I don't know, it just left a, I have a vivid memory of reading the last three pages of that book as a 14-year-old boy on my grandmother's couch in Newport. Um, And the one thing that has always been uh, part of me in my journey is seeking the truth, seeking. authenticity not only to be authentic within myself but be authentic within my relationships authentic in my experiences and as much as it hurts that I just find that there's something about seeking the truth and the freedom that the truth can bring you the spiritual freedom that sitting in the truth can bring you even if it does hurt
0: I wanted to ask you, you've choreographed the opening ceremonies at major sporting events, including the Cricket World Cup. Do you have to think about that very differently to put on a show as opposed to you know putting on a show in a traditional theatre space?
1: Oh, completely. Those, those kind of large um, – well, number one, what you're doing is in those large stadiums, um, you're not actually – the trick is you're not actually choreographing for anybody in the stadium, you're choreographing for the, the television Maybe. camera. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so, um, but you do have to, in those instances, have um, the eagle eye and the the eye on the, the mini tape because you have to be able to choreograph something that a camera or the choreography of cameras is going to pick up. But then for an auditorium experience, you need to have helicopter view. So it's about... Um, creating overall shapes and movement, waves of movement and shape, and within those waves and movement come the detail, when, for the camera to pick up.
0: Yeah, it's, it seems like a totally different kettle of fish, and, uh, and a far uh, cry from the theatre space. Which I suppose, do you crave that 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 intimacy again after you do such a big event like the Cricket World
1: Cup? Uh, I don't crave it. I actually really love being able to go between. Uh, form. I love site-specific work. I love big work. But, you know, one of the most pleasant things that I've loved programming is actually, and we just had one the other day, um, is these moments where elders and kids come together, these intergenerational programs. Um, So we had you know, kids from Redfern Jarjums come in the other day with the Wayanga Elders, but we've also had Newtown and Marrickville Primary Schools join us now too. Um, and the kids from Newtown were a little bit older than the other kids, so it was like, all right, your mob, okay, you're going to come and help me on elder duty. So, you know, it was teaching these older kids that, you know, arts and unks need cups of tea and all of that. I mean, that was lovely and just watching the interactions between those generations and that kind of exchange that happens, that for me, is possibly even more rewarding than you know seeing something that I do on the MCG, on television that is broadcast around the world.
0: yeah, well <laughs> that, that's that a sort I of stand that, but... a stand back and watch it happen kind of moment, really, isn't it?
1: Oh God, yeah, yeah, and the beauty in that, that in that in that what feels like a very small thing to do is actually when you look at it and you look at that interaction between that kid and that elder and you go, there's something There's something happening there that is going to carry on in that kid's life for the next, hopefully, 50, 60, 70 years um, and the joy that elders take in being able to provide guidance and wisdom I mean, it's just beautiful, those moments. I loved it the other day watching that. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: a beautiful legacy. We can't wait to see your program at Carriageworks. Jacob, it's been great to have you in the drawing room. Thanks for your time tonight.
1: Uh, thank you, Andy.
0: Jacob Boehm Bo- Bo- has been my guest in the drawing room. Jacob is the inaugural director of the First Nations programs at Carriage Works in Sydney and Party Protest Remember kicks off on November the 12th. been listening to a podcast of The Drawing Room with me, Andy Park. For more great conversations, search for The Drawing Room on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts.